Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. Welcome to this week's episode of People First. I'm excited to introduce you to my friend and colleague, Sam George, who is the author of two books. His first book is The Great Divide, Retro versus Metro America, and is the first to name and bring awareness to the cultural rift that has been brewing across America over the last few years. However, today we're going to be talking about his latest book, I'll Get Back to You, The Discommunication Crisis. So, Sam, welcome to People First. Thank you. And my first question for you is when you were a wee lad, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a United States senator, um, period. Okay. Politics, not bad for a dream for a young lad. So, what was the pivot point then that took you onto your career path? Give us a couple of highlights along the way. Well, essentially, uh, you know, what I ended up doing out of college was political communications, campaigns, and stuff like that behind the scenes. You know, candidates, one thing, and, but a lot of the action goes on behind the scenes. And I made a career out of that. And by the time I, you know, I kind of lost my interest in running for office. And, uh, you know, not a lot of people who, who do this kind of background behind the scenes, TV, et cetera, radio, digital, you know, it's just not, they don't make good candidates and they frequently lose. So I, I lost that. I could find out that I could make more difference behind the scenes. Okay. So that brings us to your new, latest book, I'll Get Back to You. And you talk in there about the discommunication crisis. So what do you mean by a discommunication crisis? Well, the discommunication crisis, actually, I'll give you a short anecdote that begins the book. Um, the world almost came to it, and you're, you're, you're uh, mature enough that you know this, between it's called the Cuban Missile Crisis between um, Khrushchev and John Kennedy. They, uh, Russia had put missiles on uh, Cuba, and they didn't have direct communication, like a telephone or Zoom or anything to that thing. So essentially, telegrams. You know, they're, they're the equivalent of text messages. You know, there was no reciprocal feedback and it uh, it only fueled the crisis. And what could have been negotiated fairly early put the world on a brink of World War Three, the closest. And Robert Kennedy, John Kennedy's son, camped out at the Russian embassy and spoke and finally had a direct conversation and they one conversation and they cut a deal. And after that, they installed the hotline that is mm -hmm. a communication with direct feedback like we have today. Well, what ended the role potentially was this discommunication. Discommunication is communication that doesn't have immediate feedback. That's what the discommunication is. And so for the first time in the history of uh, mankind, you know, in terms of you know, the printing press, et cetera, et cetera. But that wasn't about our communication, human communication, what we want to call conversation. So for the first time in, in, you know, millions of years, we do not have an immediate feedback. And that's really where all the problems lie with digital communication. So what's the mistake that we're making then when it comes to communication that you, you explore in the book? Well, I mean, it's just, first of all, you have to understand that this is the context, that this is a structural situation that we really can't get out of. 
I mean, texts and emails today are the dominant forms of mediums of communication, but they lack the most essential thing. Try having this interview, Murag, if you didn't have on text messaging, it would be darn near impossible. Mm -hmm. uh, and it would be thousands of texts. Did you clarify this? Da, 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 da. That's the world we live in today. And uh, there is also with that world of uh, miscommunication or discommunication, with that world of not having feedback, reciprocal feedback, I mean, there's all kinds of uh, psychological fallout. You know, we're never sure if our messages will be received, if they'll be read, I mean, or, or fully understood, you know. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times I send emails. You know, from the minute we send an email, we're thinking about the feedback without having it. And then finally, messages are unreturned, which is a form of ghosting. Essentially, that's how the mind treats it. And we spin out of control in those messages, but all the lot, you know, too many messages, um, unclear, vague messages, confusion, and uh, unreturned messages, they all come down. It, you know, people point to technology. It's really about the feedback, the lack of immediate feedback, which is a millennial change. Arguably, this is the biggest shift, I would say, since bigger than the printing press exponentially because it deals with human relationships. So I hear what you're saying, that when we're talking in person and live, we've got all sorts of other vi visual cues. We've got the body language, we've got the tone, we've got the ability to ask clarifying questions immediately. However, I'm thinking back to when I started my career in banking, where we were still doing memos with carbon paper and in triplicate. Yes, I am that old. And you would mail it off. And on one hand, it would be Oh, thank goodness it's off my desk three days before it gets there. Then they're going to look at it and then three days to get their reply back for the internal mail system. And whilst we've automated it and we get instant, in theory, with text messages and emails, is, are the problems actually any different, whether I'm using paper or postage or, or text, in terms of the discommunication that's happening? Well, uh, apples and... Uh and, and, and texts and emails and phone calls and direct conversations are apples and oranges. Mail is not a conversation. It's, a, mm -hmm. it's correspondence. I mean, it's not expected to have an immediate feedback. You really don't, you know, outside of level it. I mean, it really is not a direct conversation. So mm -hmm. boom, over there. Okay. There's smoke signals too and all kinds of things, you know, um, telecodes and, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that are, there are many forms of uh, pigeons, you know, forms of communication. But we're talking about human communication. We're talking ultimately about conversation, which deals with human relationships. And that's the difference, is that our form of relating our human relationships, our human communication has radically changed. And it's changed everything, even though we're not really aware of it. And I, I hear what you're saying, actually, with a, a met letter when we drop it in the in the mailbox, to your point, psychologically, we're not expecting an immediate reply. The way we've written it is more of a tell than expecting a two-way yes. dialogue. So when we're using the modern technologies that are bombarding us, whether it's Slack channels, text messages, phone calls, emails, all of which I've had this morning alone, what are some of the strategies then that we can do? What do I need to do to reduce the risk of miscommunication? Well, uh, you know, there are multiple mediums. I mean, in terms of um, what I do in terms of if you're talking about, let me answer your question, although it's not really in the book. 
I mean, what I try and do is to narrow the the, the number of outlets that, that I have, you know, not have a Twitter, da, 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 Skype, you know, like a million things going on. So I would just recommend to try and narrow, you know, to a couple of channels, let's say email or phone. And, you know, for example, I just use tech messages for scheduling, et cetera. I just use email and, and, and telephone and occasionally uh, Zoom for meetings like this. So that, that's one thing I can tell you. But in terms of the solution, uh, what I did is I drew a lot of the idea, right, is what's missing is immediate feedback. So what the answer is, is to try and get people to respond as quickly as possible. And so I've developed protocols. I mean, there's a couple of chapters on all the things, you know, the strategies that you can use um, to do that. But what I want to say to you is that when someone you know, doesn't return your message, it's, it's the psychological thing, much more than the communication. The impact of discommunication is more on the psychological end than it is on the communication end. So tell me more about that psychological impact. Well, it's very clear. Uh, you know, it, uh, with direct feedback, immediate feedback like this, I mean, it's secure. I, you know, there's not a misunderstanding. I know, you know, where you're at, where you're coming from. And it really doesn't have to be visual. I mean, any kind of verbal, uh, you know, where there's intonation, you know, people say, well, what about telephone? What about face language? Well, um, you know, if anybody has experience with talking on a phone, et cetera, they can, they can quickly pick up the body language in terms of the verbal cadence, mm-hmm. intonation, et cetera, illocutionary force. So, so it really is not, that's really another thing. First is technology is the first bad guy. Another one, oh, we don't have body language, but it doesn't have to do with that because um, a phone is just as good. The key thing is the feedback, is to have immediate feedback. And I'll just tell you, it's a truth. I mean, uh, I, I know that from my own polling, 70% have this. If someone doesn't return our message uh, in a timely way, the first stage is we'll get anxiety. The second stage is that we'll decide that something's wrong. You know, it's not just, you know, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing, which is mind boggling, is we jump to the worst case scenario. We don't come to a medium explanation or maybe they're busy. Oh, no. Catastrophe. And then we catastrophize and create all kinds of crazy stories. This happens to just about everybody with some regularity, and uh, no one's ever talked about it. So I was here to, to raise this issue and really got to understand the discommunication context um, while I was writing the book. So what was the most surprising insight for you as you did your research? The most surprising insight was essentially that we can't help to do this, but uh, this was another aspect, you know, the brain thinks in patterns. It's called pattern recognition. And the reason we do this is that without immediate feedback, the brain's kind of on hold. It wants to complete the pattern. And so the reason we jump to a worst case scenario, it's actually the brain unconsciously forcing us to finish the story. And, uh, you know, a worst case scenario is a definitive end. You can think of eight different solutions of why you didn't call it, whether four negative and four positive, but they don't finish. They don't complete the plan. Only a definitive worst case scenario. And uh, I found out that this kind of thinking explains why we jump to the conclusion if someone's late. Oh my mm-hmm. God, something terrible happened. 
any kind of a, if you're waiting for a decision and haven't heard back, oh, I didn't get the job. It, it, so basically, this whole thing about from psychology and self-help, why do we tell ourselves the negative stories we tell ourselves? Uh, well, the most basic reason in terms of short-term situations is because the brain is simply doing its thing, completing a pattern. And uh, the negativity is based on the punctuation point it needs to uh, complete the loop. So for leaders who are listening to this, how do they understand whether or not they're caught in a virtuous communication loop or in the nightmare that you've described, the discommunication loop? Well, discommunication is really structural. And, and that applies to the overall context of the paradigm shift, an epic moving from immediate feedback to, to the lack of immediate feedback. Basically, convert talk. It's the end of talk. We don't talk to each other like we used to. I mean, I mean, when's the last time we talked for hours, stayed up all night talking and stuff like that? We don't do that anymore. Honestly, uh, phone is like the last resort. Oh, I have the energy. You know what I mean? We, we want to avoid that, but we've lost so much. So um, that's another psychological on the positive point. What's missing? I mean, it's proven that conversations mostly are good conversations. Why are they good communication? Well, one, the brain releases uh, dopamine. <laughs> I mean, that's one reason. The second reason is because there's a security here, I, honestly, of, uh, of common understanding. When you walk away, you either agree or disagree, but you know where each other stands. And that's a very strong uh, feeling. And, and that just doesn't happen with texts or messages. With texts, you don't even know when the conversation ends. <laughs> there's no end point. You know, all of a sudden you be texting and then all of a sudden it goes silent. So... So that's really, it's not, it, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, virtual is not the issue. Technology is not the issue. It was the medium that empowered this sort of communication, but it existed back with Khrushchev and Kennedy, with telegrams that almost broke the world to its end, World War III. I mean, telegrams in this context were used to go back and forth, just like text. That wasn't virtual, that was telegrams. That was electronic. Mm -hmm. The issue is very simple. Discommunication is communication that doesn't have reciprocal feedback immediately. So in order to break that cycle then, what, what do we do? Is well, it setting expectations on how well, I, I, said, the answer is, I have a whole chapters. Basically, the answer is to, uh, to, the re to, to increase the immediacy of response, to get your return... Secondly, to communicate clearly, um, make sure that the person reads your message and get them to open it. That's the, one of the biggest challenges. I mean, what's going on here is we're so inundated. A lot of it is just they miss emails. Uh, secondly, this is the most common. See, they see something and they log it and they think they know it about it and they forget. Or they open the meal and scan it and then they forget. So the idea is to first get them to open the message ASAP, to read the message ASAP, because they will respond immediately if you do that. So that's the first thing. And um, the tactic uh, is the most common tactic in all digital marketing is that it's a trillion dollar industry. If they don't open the email, you're screwed. <laughs> and so we have all kinds of millions in technology of what are the best buzzwords. But the key thing is, you need to invoke curiosity for the person to open the meme. The worst thing you can put in a subject line 
for an email is the subject. Okay. Oh, interesting. So because I'm cute. They'll log it. You know what I mean? That it's it's predictable yeah. and it, it is put aside. You know. So, um, you know, in terms of our business and digital communication, we have all. Uh oh, your prescription expired or. All these, thank you. I mean, I can tell you there's a million, there's millions of them. They've done statistics on them. Um, you know, hey, talk to you in four minutes or something. You know, we still on? for All these kinds of things to get people to, to open the email. And I can tell you from my digital fundraising that when they open your email, they're going to either contribute or not contribute. They're not going to go back to the email and read it a second time. Mm-hmm. And so I know that from my own background, Back to the loop thing. We want to close the loop once we've read it. So the next hurdle is, so for people, I just say, come up with a word, okay? Any word. Just the first word goes up to your head and put that in the subject line because it'll be a communication disconnect. So think of a word right now. What's the first word that comes to your head? Coffee. Coffee. Your next email to your friend, put coffee on there. Uh, you know what I mean? And they'll open the email. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I guarantee it. They, and once they open the email, because you've created a pattern disruption and they open it, yeah. here's how you get to, to get them to read it. First of all, um, the first thing is, is that you need to use the person's first name. Dear Sam, dear Bill, you, use, you address them by their first name, okay? And a text message, too, even though it's presumed. Dear Paul, dear Sam, dear Sarah, dear Marag. Uh, that's the most important thing. And then you use the person's name throughout the uh, throughout the process at least three times. I don't even care if it's a short email. I mean, basically, if you want to keep a short email, once at the beginning, once at the call to action point, and once a thanks, Sam, comma, Bill. You know, so use the person's name. I mean, the research on our names is is crazy. There's nothing we love more. There's no word. There's no thing, not money, than our own first name. And so that's how you get them to read it. Then, is, then finally comes the structure. And I tell people, always ask a question. Always ask a question. And make sure that it's set up in a yes-no limit situation or agree-disagree, on-off, and create a dichotomy because that will cause them to respond. Open-ended questions, I can tell you right now from my own experience, if you say, what do you think? What do you mean, what do I think? What about what? You know what I mean? So specifically, what do you think about the second paragraph? Do you, you know, is this acceptable or not? Is this grammatically correct or not? You know, but always yes, no. It creates a limit situation, which limit situations force us to act. It's a basic mm-hmm. dynamic. So those are some basic things that people can do. And then, of course, follow up. Half the people feel ashamed to follow up or find it awkward to follow up and don't follow up within 24 hours follow up and don't rewrite the email. Just put a different subject line and send the exact email. Don't say if you put people like on the spot, like, didn't you get my email or, you know, you forward, you know, first of all, forwarding is not a good idea anyways, because anything that creates more work for the person, you forward them the email if they haven't returned. Hey, did you get this? Um, but that's just true. Let me tell you, that's on a more, that's a second tier of recommendations is not to forward anything, right? Edit, copy, paste the relevant information in a new email. The more work that people have to do, the harder it is to get them to respond. So use their names, ask a question and make it easy for people to respond is what I've heard there. 
Sam, I have enjoyed our conversation. You sharing the nuggets from your research for your book. I'll get back to you. The discommunication crisis and why unreturned messages drive us crazy and what to do about it. Thanks, Mara. How can the leaders who are listening to this episode learn more about you and your work? They can just go to my website, which is discommunication, D-Y-S, communication.com. Very simple. And there's a bio, a book link if you're interested. Um, you know, that's the best way. Dis, D-Y-S, like dysfunctional, discommunication.com. I'll make sure all of that information is in the show notes around this video. Sam, thank you for joining me on People it's a pleasure, First. Mark. I wish appreciate your time. Ongoing success. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.